This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. How was your Thursday? Great to see the sun again, huh? I bet you didn't know what that was <laughs> when you woke up this morning. like, wow. I remember that. You heard Greeny just a moment ago? Two desperate teams. Broncos and Colts. Huh. Not yet. <laughs> that, well, I will say this. Isn't that amazing? Now, the Jets, and we'll talk baseball in a second. The Jets traded a number of their picks to move up with the Colts to get Sam Darnold. And part of what they did, the Colts did, was they strengthened their offensive line. Indiana, or Indianapolis in Indiana, had one of the top offensive lines in the NFL. I don't know what's happened to it because it is not one of the top offensive lines tonight. I mean, they make the Jets and Giant lines look like all pro. I mean, Matt Ryan had a, we were just talking about it during the pregame. Matt Ryan had a, had a third and 38. <laughs> That's rough. Third and 38. What possible play in the playbook do you have for third and 38? And I'm telling you, neither one of these coaches, you know, normally when Gordon's with me, we have the odds coming from Ben online to send me a bunch of different conversational points from Vegas, right? About which coach is next to be, I'm telling you, Frank Reich, who really had the reputation of being kind of an offensive guy could work with quarterbacks because of his, you know, you remember Frank Reich. He was a former Buffalo bill was uh, the quarterback in that unbelievable miracle turnaround years ago when, um, you know, they were down by what 38, three or something like that. And they come back to win in the postseason against uh, Warren moon and the Houston Oilers. But, um, He's not this. Matt Ryan's not been good for them. Uh, they've had a couple of quarterbacks before him that have not been good. Reich is his uh, reputation is suffering right now. And Nathaniel Hackett is making Russell Wilson. Here's how bad the Denver Broncos had looked offensively, right? Nathaniel Hackett is so bad offensively with Russell Wilson that people are actually discussing whether. Geno Smith in Seattle is better for Seattle than Russell Wilson. Okay, that's how bad the Denver offense has been. <laughs> that's pretty bad. That is pretty, pretty bad. We'll talk a little football, Jets and Giants in the next hour. Right now, let's get you ready. Tomorrow night, game four of day-long wild card baseball, game one, all on ESPN. And we've got the Mets. Just after 8 o'clock, about 8.07, first pitch. San Diego Padres, New York Mets at City Field. I will join you at 7 o'clock following the Michael K. Show to get you ready, revved up, and ready to go about the Mets and Padres. I believe that the Mets will not need a third game. I think they will. I think the plan that they have worked out is going to fit perfectly. It's going to be like the A-team. I love it when a plan comes together. And I think Jacob DeGrom will be starting game one 
in the NLDS against the Los Angeles Dodgers next week. That's how I feel it's going to be. I'm confident that this Met team will turn things around. I know it's not going to be easy. Padres have a decent lineup. They're very good pitching. And I get that Hugh Darvish is pitching tomorrow night, and he has owned the Mets. I understand that. I do. I do. And I'm very curious to see how this roster is going to shake out as well. Yeah, by noon tomorrow to find out what you're going to do with the roster. The Mets have till noon tomorrow, so we'll see what they do. But let's go out to City Field. You know, you always have the chance to talk to players and the manager. It's a workout day. It's the day before. And it's weird because you'll have, like tomorrow, you'll have audio from Saturday's starting pitcher, right? Because you don't talk, you know, you're not going to talk to him before, so you're not going to talk to him on that day. So we'll hear from the Game 2 starter, whoever that may be. <laughs> we'll see how that works out uh, tomorrow. But Buck Showa was asked, first of all, can you give us an update on Starling Marte, who has been sorely missed by this Met offense? We'll take everything into play. You know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. You know, he brings, he's one of the reasons why he was in demand, because he's a multi-skilled guy that can, you know, help in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, obviously at 10 o'clock tomorrow, we'll, we'll have it out there. So, I thought it was noon. Uh, according to reports, he gripped the bat today with both hands. And not sure whether they're going to leave him off the roster or not. But really, when you look at your roster and uh, Gary and Ron Darling were having this conversation yesterday, and it was it's a good one. When you try to figure out your roster, what are you going to do? Okay, how many pitchers do you have? And you need, you need interchangeable players. Even though you have a DH, you still need players, position players that you can interchange and pinch hit and do different things for. So... I think the Mets are going to probably do 10 or 11 pitchers. I agree with Ron Darling. That's what he thought, and that would be that would make sense because you want that flexibility in your lineup. Buck Walter, is your starting rotation set in advance or game by game? Well, because we haven't announced other than today, you know, we'll, it'll, it'll have some bearing. We know what we're planning to do, but in, uh, some things are dictated by tomorrow night's game. All right, so with that in mind, how does limited rest days in postseason impact your rotation and what you do right now it's about tomorrow night's game we say okay where are we know that when we go in the game tomorrow everybody's going to be available for the most part we might have one that's not you know in different degrees of availability so what you do is after each game you sit back and you, you look at it and you understand this is not playing for the long the long game here you're playing the short game it's a whole different time of the year so I think understanding the sense of uh, urgency that each night brings is important. Well, there's no question about that. And this is a veteran guy in Buck Showalter who's not giving you any information. He's not telling you anything. And he's probably right. He may he has an idea what he wants to do, just as we've, just, we've heard and was published, what he probably will do. And he wants to see what happens with tomorrow night's game. And then he will move on and make the uh, – make the adjustments accordingly. And also, what does it do for his bullpen? Who's going to be available Saturday that's, that may not be available because of what happened Friday, right? Now, you expect, you hope that you get the Max Scherzer that's going to give you length, right? You get the Max Scherzer that 
you know, may have a high strikeout total, may not have a high strikeout total, but he's a guy that's going to give you at least six, seven innings and keep you in the game. Uh, you'll have a you'll have a big time quality start. That's what you expect from Max Scherzer. That's what Max Scherzer has done throughout his career. So when I what I expect from Max Scherzer is no more than two runs tomorrow night. Two runs or less, seven innings, seven, eight strikeouts, yeah, and turn it over to the bullpen if you have to. Depending on his pitch pitch count and all the different all the stress that he may have had with runners in scoring position, if any. And once again, you've got a full complement of folks. You can go Diaz in for four outs, five outs if you need to, keeping in mind that you may need him the next day, so you're going to juggle that a little bit. I think really when you look at it, Adam Adovino and, and Diaz are your two most experienced guys. Uh, and looking in, in some, you know, listening to some folks and reading some of the things that are out there, it looks like Seth Lugo is going to be the guy that will be your, left in, your, your left-handed guy. Uh, who can you'll bring him in if you've got lefties and righties coming up in an inning, right? Because of his ability to get out lefties, and you don't really then you can save your Joely Rodriguez, okay? If you just want lefty on lefty, because what the way it looks, Lugo does a better job of getting out lefties and righties than Rodriguez does in getting out lefties. He, he's excellent getting out lefties, okay with righties. But Lugo's good on both. So that gives you some flexibility. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. 1-800-919-3776. We'll come back. We'll hear from Max Scherzer and Peter Alonzo next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Here's the deal. I agree with him a thousand percent. And we've talked about it. And as a Met fan, you are miserable but as a Met player, you have to be shaking your head. Now, you are admired by how the team has bounced back, okay, and that they were able to – I know it's against the Washington Nationals, but they could have been a hangover. And he's absolutely right. They did not lose this division against Atlanta. They lost the division by not being able to take care of last-place teams. But what Atlanta gave them was another opportunity – despite the struggles they had against the Pirates and the Nationals and the Cubs and the A's. They had that opportunity to still find a way to win their division and hold on. So that was the part that everybody was talking about and the fact that you're going to face this Atlanta team again. All right? And you have not been able to beat them the last two times. Ever since you took four or five from them, Atlanta has been a totally different team against the Mets. So that's what people are reacting to. And yeah, you had the big lead. And, and listen, it's a long season. People, teams lose leads all the time. Unfortunately for this franchise, it's a franchise that has lost leads before. And thankfully, there's wild cards this time because, you know, a couple of times they lost leads. They were just done. And you just shake your head and you're like, what, what's going on here? And once again, for this season, if you're a Met fan, you thought that it, it's different. And it still can be. It still can be. It's not over. And that's the difference between here and some others. But you just wanted to have that lead hold. You just want to hold that lead. 
And you had that opportunity. So I understand exactly what Pete Alonso was talking about. And we will see just how resilient this team is. And we will see just how good, how quickly this team can shut the door on the regular season and say, hey, you know what? All that, whatever happened, is over. Right now, as he said, we're a pretty we're we're a really good team. We play the right way. And now the question becomes can you execute in the postseason? For because a lot of these guys don't know what the postseason is about. Some most some do. Some do. Some do. Some don't. But fortunately, you have a manager who's hopefully will be able to push the right buttons and get these guys prepared. Max Scherzer is your game one starter tomorrow night. This is Max Scherzer on what you can expect in the postseason. Yeah, you're just anxious to get out there. You're anxious to go out there and compete. Everything's online. Win or go home. Um, you know, that's the attitude you have to have, whether it's an elimination game or not. You, you always show up to a party like, we got to win today. So that, that's the beauty of the postseason. You know, this is what uh, you play the game for is to be in these type of moments. And, uh, you know, you, you, look, you always look back, you know, for me, I look back at my career and, and been in these moments and uh, love that I've always had the opportunity to pitch in these, in these games. And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful I have an opp- another opportunity to, to pitch in a postseason game. It is, as you guys can well imagine, it is for professional athlete, for college athlete, for high school athlete, It is just, you live for these moments, right? You live for moments for you to show what you can do when the light shines brightest, to show what you can do when everybody's watching, to show what you can do, to take that next step and put the team on your back or help the team win and and achieve that goal of being the best in your particular sport. And so... When you've got a veteran guy like this who understands what it takes, who knows who, who's been there, who knows what you do, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It, it, it is. It's a lot of fun for him. Now, of course, he's had this oblique situation, right? Uh, Max, are you limited by the right oblique? I was talking to Ken just the just the kind of evolution of the of this whole injury. I hadn't seen Ken for a while, um, and just was discussing the nature of the injury, how how it came about, you know, the different things that I was going through, um, and you know, coming out of this, you know, a second time, you know, but going into the start, you know, I'm good. I, I made it back up to 100 pitches. I'm throwing uh, everything I need to do, so you know, I'm not limited by this oblique at all. All right, so that that's good. That's what you want to hear. So it's the question is, will the Mets be able to to score enough runs so that they can win this game? That is the major question here. Obviously, it's not just about what Scherzer can do; it's about you being able to score against you, Darvish, who has just you know he he's 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 kind of owned the Mets. Kind of on the Mets, so that's the uh, that's that's the interesting thing when you look at this matchup, is you know once again because the Mets have and, and listen here's the thing, 
you always we talk a lot about the Mets not scoring for Degrom, and we talk a lot of, and we've spoken on occasion when they haven't scored for Scherzer. Well, in the postseason, to be honest, that's expected more so than in the regular season. Okay, because you're going to face the opponent's best. Your number one is going to face the your opponent's number one. Okay, and and that's that's the way it's supposed to be. That's that's what the postseason matchups are. That's what makes it so much fun. You know, so so in this in this situation, yeah, you know that it's been an issue, but you're kind of prepared for it in this case because of the fact that it's the postseason, and you don't always get the one on one, the best against the best matchups in the regular season. You don't always get it that way. But you definitely get it that way in the postseason. And that's what will happen tomorrow night. So you've got the Max Scherzer and you Darvish. And, um, you know, listen, it would be very nice if the Mets could get off to the quick start, right, and uh, make sure that they get the first win and put all the pressure back on San Diego. And I'm just really curious to see uh, how the San Diego team is going to respond offensively myself. Because this has been a team that really, uh, I mean, let's face it, you look at the lineup, you look at the talent, and we know that they don't have, uh, you know, Tatis. But you look, and Machado has had a very nice year. But other than he, when you look at this lineup and you look at the talent they have and you look at the acquisitions they made at the, at the trade deadline, it, it's it's a little disappointing. It is. It's a little disappointing to see, you know, uh, the lack of production from this offense. And hopefully it continues. <laughs> You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This game is, wow, 9-6 Broncos, late third quarter. 9-6 Broncos. Unbelievable. Uh, let's talk to Lee in Brooklyn before we go back and talk, t- uh, talk more about the San Diego Padres. Lee, you're up first on ESPN New York tonight. Good evening, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great, Lee. What's happening? Yeah, um, you was mentioning it. I mean, the, the, the best wide receivers. That's how I would like to know what team they're on, uh, what we see the, as the best uh, upcoming quarterbacks. I would like to know what teams they're on. Well, you tell you, I'll tell you one thing, Lee. If you watch the Jet game this week, you're going to see two of the top wide receivers in the National Football League, and Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Those are two really okay. good. Those are two really good receivers. You've got uh, some great receive. You've got uh, Cooper Cup, who's a fantastic receiver with the Rams. There's a lot of fabulous receivers uh, in in the National Football League. Listen, you you talk about uh, Kelsey in in, in Kansas City at tight end. Great. Yeah, I wanted to basically just add to so you can basically make the comment on it, but um, you know, but they don't play for uh the two Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson. So these <laughs> these guys have been both of them been in Super Bowls. The yep. One been the two, one been the one. Mm-hmm. Lost, lost, one, 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 one. And mm-hmm. we basically see these guys coming down to where they, you know, they, they're not as good as they used to be. So uh, I'm enjoying, I enjoy the game in the sense that they're out there just still giving it their best although they're not playing on the best teams. They don't have the best players. They're not their best anymore. They're in pain. They're hurt. They've been through surgeries, injuries. And basically, you know, sometimes we we, we really get down on 
the African-American uh, or the minority ones that basically come out there and still play for years, and they're not as good as they used to be, and we try to make them seem like there's something wrong with them. I, don't, I just don't think that's right. I think that basically he played good years, Russell Wilson. He did a good job for many years, and he's just not as good as he used to be, Larry. That, that, that's basically the situation. Let's not say Denver's But I don't know team. that he's – but, but I don't know, Lee – thanks for the phone call. I don't know that he's not as good as he used to be because you just mentioned the fact that he doesn't have, a, a, you know, really great receivers. So I don't know if he's not as good as he used to be. I don't know whether this is his situation that he looks like this or it's the way the offense is. Okay, I don't know. I mean, Russell Wilson was still a top-notch quarterback. Last season, he played pretty well in Seattle. Yeah, he slipped. And I don't know that it's I, – I, I can't agree with you that it's it's based on race all the time because people have killed Ben Roethlisberger for the past two or three years for as bad as he played as he got older. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not, there might be one or two specific instances that you may be speaking about, but generally speaking, uh, I don't see, I, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that in a while because I could quote you a bunch of folks that have struggled that we just look at them and say, you know what? They're just not as good as they were. This it's not for, for this case. It's not a, I mean, Matt Ryan is not as good as he was, you know, as you get older, it's it's nobody. There's not a lot of Tom Brady's <laughs> that continue to be really good as they get old. You know the old saying: "Father Time is undefeated." So it's very rare. It's very rare that it happens. And even this year, right now, Tom Brady is showing some slippage. But once again, he's got folks. Some of his, you know, big time guys are hurt. So that's part of it as well. Uh, let's go back. We were talking about the uh, Padres. And one of the interesting things from the San Diego aspect of it, it was a great article I was reading uh, in the San Diego papers where, and I mentioned it before the break, right, that Juan Soto was, look, Juan Soto was the key piece in that trade with Washington, okay? Yeah, Bell went with him, but he was the key piece. And you thought that maybe the change of scenery was going to just take him to another level. Okay, look at the numbers. He arrived in San Diego batting 246. Okay. And after 52 games in San Diego, he was 246 with the Nats. He was 236 with the Padres, including his last 15 games. He was three for 48. <laughs> three for 48. He was walked 14 times and hit by pitch. Three for 48. That is not Soto. Okay? That's not Juan Soto. Now, here's the scary thing for me. All right? Look at his numbers at City Field. All right? He's got a one. OPS in 125 career plate appearances at Citi Field. Yikes. I hope he remains cold. He's got 10 home runs and 103 at-bats. Now, I'm not great at math, but what is that? A home run every 10 at-bats? A little over over 10 at-bats? 
and 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 he hasn't homered that much for the Padres. <laughs> he hasn't had ten home runs for the Padres. He's got ten home runs in the hundred three at bats for the Mets. And and he's quoted to saying, "Here's his quote." I see the ball very well at City Field. I just like to beat the Mets. I was in that division for my whole career. We played against them a lot. It's a really good place to play and a really fun stadium to play in. Hmm. Hmm. All right. So it looks as though for San Diego, um, Blake Snell will start game two and Joe Musgrove would start game three if necessary. This is going to be... This is going to be interesting, okay? This is going to be interesting to see um, how this turns out. But, you know, I, I have a lot of confidence in the Mets. I think they feel that they have to, you know, show some things, do what they need to do, handle their business, and I think they'll be fine. One other thing I got to talk about before we hear from uh, Aaron Boone, who was on the Michael K. Show today. How many of you raise your hands if you watched Greeny talk to Commissioner Manford of Major League Baseball? Raise your hands. Okay. Greeny and Man Manford, I mean, Greeny asked him a fair question about home runs, what's the home run record, and you knew he wasn't going to really answer it. But I give Greeny credit because he went around every curve he could go to try to get a, an answer from him. And even on what they should do as far as highlighting this this area of, of of home runs during the steroid era. And see, my my whole thing has always been: listen, just put it in, put them in the Hall of Fame, and just put them in the specific area that says, you know, during this era there was use of steroids, blah blah blah, whatever you have to explain it, and numbers could have been adjusted or whatever you want to say. I mean, I mean, they put an asterisk in, in the in the record book for Roger Maris because he did it in he did it in more than 154 games where Babe Ruth had the record in 154 games. They expanded it; it was more games, so they put an asterisk there. Okay, so why can't you put a little, you know, something <laughs> interception? Why can't you just do a similar thing in the Hall of Fame and put these guys in? Okay, Clemens was a Hall of Famer before. Bonds was a Hall of Famer before. Okay, just just put it in. Let's just and let's move on from this. And he's like, "Well, the fans will decide. The fans will decide." Well, yeah, the fans will decide. But what what's baseball going to say? Because if the fans if if the fans would decide, the fans would probably decide to put these guys in the Hall of Fame. And the writers have said they're not going in the Hall of Fame. So I just thought that you needed something a bit more forthcoming from Commissioner Manfred than what he gave you. He just continued to dance around, you know, well, it's up to the fans, it's up to the fans. No, well, that's what we do. We leave it up to the fans. We leave it up to the fans. And I kind of want to hear what you guys think about it. You know, I kind of do. Because you are, you know, you're the keeper of the flame. Especially in the sport where records are a sanctity of it. There's no sports that, 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 glorifies their records more than Major League Baseball. No sport, none. Achievements and individual achievements, team achievements, all that stuff, all of it. No sport does it like baseball. So what's Aaron Boone doing for the week off while he's just chilling, waiting to see who he plays? 
We'll hear next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Harvey just gave me a stat during the break. There have been, Harvey, now you'll correct me if I'm wrong. There's been, there's been no points, no touchdowns scored in the third quarter, was it? There's been uh, three games this year that have had no touchdowns through three quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, Saints Bucks was the sec was the first one in week two. Mm-hmm. Broncos Texans was the other one in week two, and now Broncos Colts is the third one tonight. Unbelievable. Nathaniel Hackett, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Matt Ryan sacked again. Oh, look out. Offensive lineman got pushed back. That's his recipe for injury. And, and here's the thing, more so for the both listen, both defenses have been great because you can't run, you can't throw, and and I don't know. This is where it just takes me. I get to the Yankees in a second, I promise. This is where I just shake my head because these these guys know more football than I do. They they know more football. It's not even close. I mean, I'm, it's it's embarrassing how much more they know than me. <laughs> okay, it is. But I don't see anything that they're changing. Could you pick up the tempo a little bit? Try to keep the you know change the rhythm. Could you roll your quarterbacks out a little bit, especially Russell Wilson? I mean, he's excellent throwing the ball on the run. Could you roll them out? I mean, plan rollouts, not roll out because, oh, my God, they're going to get me. But roll out, just some plan rollouts in there. You know, that you could do that. I mean, he's, he, was, he did that so well in Seattle. I just, I, I'm just baffled by the fact that they, their offense has been so bad for so long. And I got to tell you, at the beginning of the season, all right, at the beginning of the season, when I looked at Jets facing Denver, with Russell Wilson, I'm like, that's going to be, oh, man, that's going to be a big-time loss. Okay. The way this team is playing right now, Jets have a shot. <laughs> I'm telling you, they have a shot. They have a shot. And I'm not saying that I'm because of how badly they're playing. Defense is playing great. Defense has kept them in this game. All right, defense has played very well. So if you stay close, you got a chance to steal. You got a chance to get points in the fourth quarter and win the game. They're not blowing anybody out. They're not scoring points. Okay, they're not scoring. Man. Aaron Boone was on the Michael K show today. And so the guys asked Aaron, uh, who's your game one starter? I would actually like to settle on it here over the next 24 hours and get it lined up. I mean, there's some thought of maybe waiting to see who our opponent is, but I would like to get these guys kind of knowing where they're doing. They can set up their sides and when we want to have them throw live, for example, this weekend. The good thing is I feel like with Garrett, Evie, and Nestor, I feel really good about where those guys are at and how we can match up from a starting standpoint against really any team right now. So it's a little bit of a decision right now, but most Mostly, I'd look at it as that's a good decision to have. I would have thought from the role of Ace, the amount of money you're paying him, (laughs) that Gary Cole would be the game one starter. So has that changed? 
See what Aaron Boone says. Well, I mean, I, I think when I said it on there, it was kind of like, you know, is he your – yeah, he, yeah. Kind of, but, you know, you guys always that, – that's why you get vague answers sometimes because you want to pin us down two weeks ahead of time, a month ahead of time. I mean, the the reality is is we got a ton of great choices now, and I feel like, you know, where Seve is, where Garrett is, where Nestor is, like – I feel good walking into a series, like I said earlier, about anyone. Um, you know, I, I think I know which way I want to go, but I, I, I want to at least, you know, kind of, you know, sleep on it a little bit, talk to different people. All right, so that's interesting to me um, because I would, and I hear what he's saying. You can change your mind, but you can always change your mind. But that's our job to ask who's going to be, I mean, that's, who's going to be your game one starter? I mean, that's, you know, people want to know. Fans want to know. You would assume it was going to be Garrett Cole. But now you're getting that, well, it may depend on who we play. It may depend. Maybe I want to do, you know, maybe depending on what's happening, I may want to start Cortez. Maybe I want to start Severino. Because um, that division is, you know, I, I, it's just crazy to me. I just I just would have thought that Garrett Cole would be the number game one starter. And he still may be the game one starter. Now I and I don't know if it's it can't be a, uh, you know, an advantage, a competitive advantage or disadvantage because you don't know who you're playing yet, right? So does that mean that he's he's going to tell the players, but he's not going to tell the media what what he's going to do? That that's this interesting scenario here. I I would have thought that okay, it's going to be cold, uh, and once again, like I said, it still may be cold, but. Is he is he looking at the way Cole has finished over his last couple of starts? I mean, listen, he's striking people out. It's not like he's it's not like he's pitching terrible. Okay, Cole is not pitching terrible. But the one the biggest criticism I have of him, once again, is the fact that he, he doesn't hold leads well. And in the postseason, that's your job. And he's been consistent not holding them well. And I get that he gives up home runs because he's around the plate. I get it. understand it. seen it. But it just seems as though he does it in innings. He just doesn't hold leads. And that's not what an ace does. An ace shuts you down. And it's not like it's happened once in a while for him. It's happened a lot this season. Okay? It's happened a lot. He's got the Yankees single season record for strikeouts, but he also has he's led the league in home led the American League in home runs. So that's the concern I have about what they're going to do and who's going to start these games. So that's um, you know that's 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 the curious thing for me. That's the really curious thing for me. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Drew's in the car. Drew. You're up next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great, Drew. What's happening? Yeah, so the baseball, uh, you know, I almost like just want to let it unfold. I don't want to even make any predictions or try to analyze it too much. I'm looking forward to tomorrow starting starting the playoffs. And uh, I called you with a football question. You okay. had a caller before talking about veteran quarterbacks. That yes. We don't know if they're still as good as they used to be. I got a question for you about a quarterback who so far looks like he's a lot better than people thought he was. 
And for the life of me, I don't understand why he had so many haters to begin with, and that's Jalen Hurts. And I wanted to get your opinion on why do you think so many were critical of him after just a year as a starter, concluding that he couldn't see the field, wasn't accurate, couldn't throw the ball deep enough. You know, why were the, you know, because all he did in college at the highest levels was dominate and win. So, what what explains why so many doubted him? He didn't play well, Drew. Thanks for the phone call. It's very simple. He didn't play well in this first couple, in, in his first chance to, to get on the field. He was a guy who, at, at this level, ran first and threw second. Okay? And so he wasn't the same quarterback that you saw at Alabama. He wasn't. He, as I mentioned, he ran first through second. Now you're looking at the guy. And I, listen, it's coaching. It's him. Excuse me. It's him working on things to improve himself, to be that guy who is more accurate, which you can do. You can improve your accuracy. You can improve your footwork. You hear it all the time about how people get better, how players get better. And that's what he's done. He's gotten better. He's got better receivers. All right. He's worked with them. He's got great chemistry with them. And he still can run the ball. And you have to honor his ability to run which makes him more effective as a passer. And because he's passing so well, okay, you it makes him even more, it makes him an even better runner. So he's a dual threat now where he was really just a guy that he would pull it down and run. And his confidence in himself is better because he's better prepared. So these are the things that Jalen Hurts has done and he's improved himself and it shows on the field. Okay, it's... We say this a lot, and there are great coaches in every sport, but I do believe that football is the sport where coaching matters the most. In the NFL, coaching matters the most. You get a guy who can work with you as a quarterback and, and make you better and, and find out what, you know, what, what makes you, plays you like and drill you and drill you and get you to the right spot and motivate you to get better and do the things and give you the tools to get better. And it shows. It really does. And so, first of all, give Jalen Hurts credit to have that ability to say, you know what, I can be better than what I'm showing. I can go back and prove to them that I'm better than, than you know how I played. I can be the same guy I was at Alabama. I can be the great player I was there and bring that same skill set and get as you know and get more successful here at this level. And the reason, once again, is he worked hard for it. And listen, too, the other thing, I mean, Alabama, that's a pro team in college but you don't face that same talent every week like you do in the NFL. There's great players on every team in the NFL. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.